Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, coming to you late on a Tuesday night after the Red Raiders take care of business against the New Mexico Lobos, drop them 6-4 to four at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park in a long one, three-hour and 46-minute game, just drug on and on, I can tell you from experience. But Red Raiders get the W, that's the exciting part, and now they can prepare themselves to face the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Lubbock this coming weekend. But before we dive into talking about baseball and wrapping up that New Mexico game and jumping into the Oklahoma State series, I wanted to close out a conversation that we've been having along with others around the country about the vote for the third paid assistant in college baseball. Coach Tadlock had some comments about this during his radio show at Rudy's Barbecue in Lubbock. On Monday, I wanted to play some of those for you. So let's hop into the segment. This is throwing Chad with Raider Red. This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh yeah. So what? He ain't seen my heat. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So, play like one tonight. So as you know, I came out and had some pretty strong words for my thoughts about this vote, and in particular, the way things had been portrayed by the national media, specifically D1Baseball.com. Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt are the co-managing editors there. So really, one of my beefs has been how they have framed this conversation nationally and really treated it as mutually exclusive in that you either support college baseball or you don't. So any athletic director that didn't vote for this measure automatically, the way they have framed it, does not support college baseball. With Well, Coach Tadlock disagrees with that, so I'll play you what he had to say, and then I'll mention a couple things and my takeaways from that. So here's Coach Tadlock. All right, this is from Scott, Coach. The Big 12 and the Big 10 are taking heat from D1 Baseball and others for their vote on the third paid assistant coach last week. Also saw where Dave Van Horn said he would vote for it and be reluctant to hire anyone with a family due to the restrictions. How does Coach T feel about this? That's from Scott. Scott Kelm, I bet, down in Houston. Scott Kelm. Yeah, he's a good good guy. Scott goes to a bunch of our games and, and uh, great supporter of ours. As far as, as far as really the topic of discussion is, is there was uh, something tabled this past fall that kind of came up for vote with athletic directors that got voted down. I uh, got voted down by the Big 12 and the Big 10. And uh, the one thing I tell you is for, I can't speak for Big 10 athletic directors, can't speak for all the athletic directors in the Big 12, but those guys are, they're all in favor of helping college baseball. Uh, when something, it's, the one thing I've seen with this deal is, is they've all kind of been taking some heat and all they do is try to help baseball. And But when something comes to the table and 
There's other factors like softball involved. There's salaries involved. There's, there's a lot of factors. There's factors that I don't, I don't even know the name. Uh, in other words, like they're running athletic departments with 18 and 19 sports, and they got to make decisions on what's best for athletic departments and not necessarily what's best for um, somebody that calls himself a volunteer coach. And so, you know, I think it's real interesting to me that uh, a lot of these young guys that we're talking about, I mean, you know, they all want to start at the Division One level to me. I mean, that's really hasn't been brought up. I mean, what I think would have been cool about this if it passed it would have been it would have created some opportunities for some real good coaches in Texas high school baseball to maybe make a jump to college baseball okay. and also for junior college guys not necessarily for the guys that just got done playing and say hey I'm I'm going to coach in college and I'm going to start at the highest level cuz to me that's not the way way it should work I mean to me you need to go earn your earn the right to do it it's a really good point um but is you know it's one of those deals we could talk about at the rest of the show. As far as for this listening audience, I would tell you that Kirby Holcutt, um, well, there, there's not a better guy to work for. Yeah. And, and as far as supporting college baseball, he supports college baseball. And, but as far as this deal goes, they all vote based on what's best for the athletic department, the Big 12, uh, Based on right now, you can bet if it comes up again, I think the athletic director's in the Big 12, and it's just baseball only, I think it passes. Uh, but adding softball maybe through a kink in there. And I think also, you know, the, the other factors that none of us really know, you know, maybe where, where college athletics is headed is part of the equation also. And um, But as far as, you know, the third assistant goes, the, the other part that hasn't been mentioned, that when 10 athletic directors get in a room and they say, okay, hey, we're going to have a third assistant in baseball. So you got a head coach, pitching coach, recruiting coordinator, and you're trying to add a volunteer. You're trying to add a third assistant. And the baseball coaches, we weren't smart enough to figure out that the player-to-coach ratio is the same right now as it would be if we paid somebody a salary. In other words, we have that position. And, you know, they all sit down and go, hey, we've got the same player-to-coach ratio. And then we're asking to add a coach for softball, which only has 20 players, and we've got 35. So there's so many more factors than what people are reporting. They just want to report, hey, this league, this league said no and this league said no, and – a lot of people are taking heat over, and I don't think it's fair because, I mean, you look at Chris Del Conte and his time in Fort Worth. You look at his time in Austin. He's a baseball guy. He's been on our committee. He's on our committee, and he wants what's good for college baseball. Joe Castiglione up at Oklahoma is the same way. Uh, Mike Holder at Oklahoma State. I mean, we all know, you know, he he's they've had a pretty good baseball program there for a long time. You don't have those type of programs they're building a $60 million stadium in Stillwater. It's your hometown, by the way, I just remembered. You know, you can't tell me that guy's not for baseball. Uh, Worked hard just on Just because he voted yeah, no on a yeah. third assistant this round doesn't mean it can't pass again. But 
you know, to me, part of it, like I've I've heard the hardship stories about the guys that had been the volunteer at, you know, you name it, and how hard their life has been. Well, hey, man, go live in a dorm. Coach some junior college baseball and see how you like it. I mean, go fill some coolers, drive some vans, yeah. mow the grass, you know, burn some diesel on some dirt all night long, see if you can get the field ready to yeah. go. So. You know, I, I tell you, that's one of the best nights of my coaching career, by the way. We, we burnt diesel. We burnt 52 gallons of diesel on Grayson County's field one evening, night. Security guard never showed up. You could do anything on that campus and the security guy would show up. Well, we're burning diesel on the baseball field, and he never shows up. And we're getting it from our maintenance barn. And... We burned 52 gallons. We get it dry. Had a golden retriever. By the end of the night, he'd just go lay down by the fire. He knew to stay warm right by the fire. And told the guys the next day, I said, hey, I'll be sitting over here if y'all don't beat the tar out of them. I'm going to be some kind of mad. And they took care of them. So, got them? Yeah, they got them. Oh, good. Yeah. It was worth yeah, the time. So it, it's a – the third assistant deal is probably a – you know, it's something – that again, to me, the people around here need to know we got great support within our athletic department and our school. And anybody wants to take that up with me, I'd love to. I'd love to go to bat for Kirby Holcutt. So what I hear there, and I do feel like it, it really is in line with some of the arguments that I made on the podcast in the episode nineteen, which you're more than welcome to go back and listen to. One of my points in that podcast was that Texas Tech does have a ton of support in college baseball, that there's a lot of support that comes from Kirby Hocutt and the athletic department. And as I said there as well, it's not Kirby Hocutt's job to make decisions based on quote unquote what's right for college baseball. His job is to make decisions that are best for the Texas Tech athletic department that has a lot of sports to support and has a lot of factors to consider. You can hear Coach Tadlock there almost get emotional talking about working for Kirby Hocutt, the support he gets from him. I mean, that really says a lot about the kind of man that both of them are and the relationship that they have. So I was pretty upset that Kendall Rogers said some things about Tim Tadlock as far as whether or not he would remain at Texas Tech. And I stand by being upset by those remarks. I think that they were inappropriate. I think they jumped to some serious conclusions on Kendall's part. And I don't think that Coach Tadlock would appreciate them. I would assume that he saw them. He was tagged in those tweets. He does hop on Twitter from time to time. But just to remind you what it was that Kendall had to say, he said, Actions do have consequences. Don't think Tim Tadlock won't remember this when some school with a blank check comes calling at some point. Think again. Now, Kendall responded to me throughout our conversation on Twitter and said that he thinks Coach Tadlock will be at Texas Tech forever. And he said he didn't say that Tim Tadlock was leaving. Well, no, he didn't directly say that. He insinuated it, and he certainly said that it's going to give Coach Tadlock pause. Well, in his comments, he's making it pretty clear that while, yes, this vote would be a positive thing for some up-and-coming coaches coming out of the high school ranks, coming out of the junior college ranks to get opportunities at the Division One level, he also made it pretty clear that this vote was something that he didn't think should affect guys that are just coming out of a playing career and trying to jump into the highest level of baseball. I mentioned that in the podcast. Tim Tadlock slogged. He earned his way in his career. 
at junior colleges. He won junior college World Series. He really worked hard just to get to be an assistant at the University of Oklahoma and worked hard there before he came to Texas Tech, still as an assistant for a year and a recruiting coordinator before he had the opportunity as a head coach. I can understand his mindset of getting out there, doing the work, getting the experience, and proving yourself rather than trying to walk into the best opportunity in your chosen profession. So that was one piece of that, and I feel like my comments and his lined up pretty well. Kendall also said, quote, I do know Tim Tadlock is definitely in favor of adding a third assistant. Well, maybe that's true in one regard, but he also accepts that there are a lot of other factors that play into that decision. And he was pretty clear that voting against this measure does not automatically mean someone doesn't support college baseball. And he even mentioned other athletic directors around the Big 12 saying that he feels like they're getting a raw deal in the way things are being covered. The final thing that I want to mention was a a tweet from Kendall that said, another premier coach I spoke with this morning on TTU baseball being a no vote, quote, no program on that campus has given tech athletics more notoriety on the national stage in the last decade than tech baseball until basketball this year. Turning the back on baseball is shameful. Well, once again, Coach Tadlock was pretty clear there that he is very supported. This program is very supported. Kirby Hocutt supports baseball at Texas Tech. They have a lot of the things they need to be successful, and he didn't seem to feel like this was an automatic need for Texas Tech baseball. It really doesn't even move the needle for what they have because they would still have the same ratio one way or the other. So I think that Coach Tadlock was pretty clear there with what he thinks, what he feels. He was fairly defensive and offering an opportunity to go to bat for Kirby Hocutt, someone he clearly feels strongly about and cares about. So I just wanted to play that for you. I felt like it was a good capstone on this conversation. I hope that it's something that Kendall Rogers and Aaron fit here. I know it's not going to change their minds, but I want you Red Raiders out there to know that I think we have leaders in in guys like Kirby Hocutt that understand and know what they're doing. They do a very good job doing it and that they have the best interest of Texas Tech athletics in mind. And then you have guys like Coach Tadlock, who they have fantastic relationships with, that feel supported, that believe in what they're doing, that trust them, and that are going to support them, even to the point of on live radio, offering to go to bat and defend them to people in the national media who are framing this in a negative way and who are throwing all kinds of negativity at athletic directors who are doing what's best for their schools. So anyway, I think that's about it for that conversation. I just wanted to get that out there for you make sure that you heard Coach Tadlock's words, not to mention the story about burning 52 gallons of diesel on the Grayson College field is just an absolutely fantastic story. That's Tim Tadlock gold right there. So appreciate him sharing that too. It's awesome how we got to that and where it took us. But anyway, that's throwing Chad with Raider Red. Everybody say dingers keep it going. Singles, doubles, triples, dingers. I'm not this one. I'm a PO, but I still hit. Dingers. Three and all count, but I still hit a. Dingers. I'm a red hand, but I still hit. Dingers. Coach, give me a bump, but I still hit. Dingers. Hang me a curve, and I will hit. Dingers. I'm milk cast, but I still hit. Dingers. 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 So let's dive in and talk about some baseball. The Red Raiders face the New Mexico Lobos 
in Lubbock on Tuesday night. They canceled the Wednesday game, both looking ahead to some potential weather, but also I think Coach Tadlock is just not a fan of these two-game midweeks, especially going into a weekend series. It can really deplete your pitching. So using whatever opportunity he had at his disposal, he and Coach Ray Birmingham agreed to cancel that Wednesday game and make this a one-game series. So the Red Raiders face the Lobos. At 6.30 p.m., this was a very long game. It ended up going three hours and 46 minutes. It was tied 4-4 for a while in the game. The Red Raiders went up early 2 to nothing, and then New Mexico came back with three in the second inning and then another run in the third. So the Red Raiders were down 4-2. to two. They finally scored two more runs in the fifth, tying it up at 4-4, and then didn't score the go-ahead runs until the bottom of the seventh. Ultimately, it was a Johnny bullpen day for both teams. New Mexico actually used nine pitchers on the day. Only a couple of them pitched more than 25 pitches. Two of them pitched about 45. No one pitched more than two innings. Just not a great day for them, and that was just kind of where they were as far as having to throw in and and make it a team effort. Uh, they have to look ahead to a weekend series as well. So that drops the New Mexico Lobos to 18 and 22 on the season, not the best year for them. But maybe more impressive, the Red Raiders held down what is a really good offense coming out of that New Mexico team. Mason Montgomery got the start for Texas Tech, but he ends up only getting an inning and two-thirds in before he's pulled. He allows three runs, two of them earned. Uh, one hit, he walks three, just not a positive day for him really struggled out there. Coach Tadlock talked about it in the post game that when you send a guy out, a left-hander that's as talented as Mason Montgomery, you want him to be able to stay deep into the game. Obviously he just struggled with command today and wasn't able to get it done, but you had Ryan Cassie comes in for a third of an inning. He only faces two batters, ends up allowing a hit and a run, but then Hunter Dobbins comes in for three full innings. He has three hits, no runs allowed, one walk and four Ks. He looked really good out there through 43 three pitches. Taylor Floyd comes in once again with three really, really strong innings for the Red Raiders of just no hit, no run, no walk baseball. He faces nine batters and gets six Ks in that time. He retired all nine batters he faced in order. Really a strong outing for Taylor Floyd. He's really showing a lot out for the Red Raiders. He also gets the win and improves to four and three on the season. And then Clayton Beater comes in for the final inning, and he earns his sixth save of the season. He was thrown about 94 at the high end. He allowed no hits and no runs. He got one walk, but he struck out the three that he needed to get the save and to close the game out. So really not a bad day pitching, considering the situation you're in with Montgomery not going deep. You went into the bullpen and pulled some guys out. One that gets them some good work, and again, you see Taylor Floyd with a great outing. He had a great one on Friday following Micah Dallas with three good innings for the Red Raiders there against the Baylor Bears. As far as the offense goes, it was really a nice day. Lots of hits. The Red Raiders didn't play a ton of runs. They only won 6-4, to four, but they were able to get some things done when they needed to. Gabe Holt led the game off again with a hit to left field. Ended up being a single. He stretched that out and stole a base to get himself into scoring position. Brian Klein gets on base with a hit-by-pitch, 
and then Josh Young with an RBI single scores Gabe Holt, and things went pretty well for the Red Raiders there with two runs in the first inning. You had some good hitting. Situational hitting could have been a little bit better. You did strand a few on the day, ultimately stranded 15 on base. Now that means, as Coach Tadlock says, you're getting people on base, which is positive, but would like to have seen a little bit better with runners in scoring position, with runners on base. But ultimately, I'm just going to run down the list because you had a lot of good ones today. Gabe Holt goes two for five with a run scored. He also steals a base, as I mentioned. Dylan Noisy, two for four with a run scored. Brian Klein, two for three with two runs scored. He has a ribby and also draws a walk. Josh Young goes two for four with two RBI. He hit an RBI double. It was a nice ball. He really popped it. It went high off the center field wall and bounced down. He had a a pretty easy double out there, and he was pretty excited. His bow and arrow was pretty emphatic. I think he was excited to get that hit. Cameron Warren goes 0 for 3, but he does have an RBI walk. He also was hit by a pitch, so he was on base a couple of times. Cody Masters goes 1 for 3 with a run scored. He has a ribby as well. Cole Stilwell goes 1 for 4 with a walk drawn. Drew Baker got the start today at third base. That was an interesting look, giving him some work out there. He goes 2 for 4 on the day. He stole a base as well. And then Braxton Fulford, he goes 0 for 3, but he has a run scored and an RBI. He drew two walks, and then his run scored and RBI came on a fielder's choice. So a good day for really most of the team. You did see Parker Kelly and Max Marshock come in late to close things out. But overall, the Red Raiders had a good day at the plate. They had good patient at-bats. They were putting the barrel to the ball, which is certainly what you want to be seeing out there. And against an offensive team like this, nothing to sneeze at when it comes to holding the New Mexico Lobos to four runs. So you shouldn't see them again the rest of the season as you prepare yourself for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are currently leading the Big 12 Conference. They're 10-5 and in conference play, 25-13 and overall on the season. When I look through common opponents for them, they did open their season against UT Rio Grande Valley, and they actually won that series two games out of three. The Red Raiders will be facing UTRGV next week in their midweek series. They do have a season series win over Wichita State. They've won both of their games against them. Oklahoma State lost their series with West Virginia in Stillwater two games to one. West Virginia took them down in game one, 11 to one. The Cowboys won Saturday, 9 5, and then lost the rubber match, 2 to 4. Oklahoma State has beaten TCU. They took two games out of three in Fort Worth, the Saturday and Sunday game, and they did sweep Kansas State in Stillwater in pretty resounding fashion. So they have had a solid season, they are a good ball club. Actually, they lost their series to Kansas in Lawrence. They won the Friday game 27-6 to and then lost Saturday 5-4 to and then again on Sunday 7-6. to So not what you expected to see there going into Lawrence against the bottom of the conference. But they're going to be a tough game for the Red Raiders. The first game on Friday will be on Texas Tech TV. That one will be at 6.30 p.m. The Saturday game will be at 7.30 p.m. That'll be on ESPNU, and the Sunday game at 2 p.m. will be on Fox Sports Southwest Plus. Most recently, the Cowboys actually swept the Texas Longhorns in Stillwater. That was on April 18th, 19th, and 20th. 
in the game on the 18th, Jensen Elliott got the start for the Cowboys. He went a complete game, one hitter shutout of the Longhorns as the Cowboys ended up winning 15 to nothing. They out hit the Longhorns 11 to one. Elliott, as I said, he goes nine innings pitched, one hit, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Does a really, really fantastic job. You've seen a similar performance from both Caleb Killian, but also from Alec Manoa, who after a 15-strikeout performance against Texas Tech, followed it at the next weekend with another 15-strikeout performance. So he has 30 strikeouts in two starts. Jensen Elliott, not far behind as far as that performance goes against the Longhorns. So definitely... Going to be seeing some solid pitching now, a little bit different when they're on the road. And Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park will be rocking. It's going to be a tough place to play, but they beat the Longhorns in resounding fashion. The following game on the 19th, they beat them 10 to 2. It was Parker Scott that got the start that day for the Cowboys. He's 2 and 0 on the season. He went seven innings pitched, allowed seven hits of scoreless baseball, had one walk and eight strikeouts. And then Ben Leeper came in in two innings in relief, and that's where the the runs came from. Allowed two hits, but two runs, three walks, three strikeouts. So these are names that you're definitely going to be seeing when the Cowboys come to town. They really can put some runs up, but they can also really hold you down with pitching. They have some really, really good stuff. The third game of that series on April 20th against Texas, the Cowboys actually only ended up winning 11 to 10. Texas out hit them 14 to 10 on the day, but the Longhorns had five errors that held them down. It was Brett Stanley that got the start for Oklahoma State. He went four innings pitched, allowed seven hits, three runs, a walk, two strikeouts. He had a balk, he had a wild pitch, he had a hit batsman, and then you had kind of some Johnny bullpen, and it was Logan Gregg that followed three other pitchers to come in for two and two-thirds, allowed four hits, one run, one walk, had one strikeout that closed things out, ended up getting the win. You'll definitely see those first two guys. You'll see Jensen Elliott most likely in the Friday game against Oklahoma State, and you'll see Parker Scott most likely as well. On the season... Parker Scott leads the team. He has a .89 ERA in nine appearances. He's a 2-0 record in two starts, has 20 and a third innings pitched, has allowed 16 hits. His walk-to-strikeout ratio is seven walks to 28 strikeouts on the season. Opposing batters are hitting a .225 against him. Jensen Elliott has a 379 ERA, 10 appearances, all of them starts, 5 and 2 record on the season and 54 and 2 thirds innings pitched. Has allowed 50 hits on the season, 23 earned runs, but that walk to strikeout, 26 walks to 37 strikeouts. So if the Red Raiders are patient, they could definitely find ways to get to him and I think on the road you're going to have a pretty hostile environment for pitchers at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park so there's an opportunity to get to a guy early hopefully and then you start digging into that bullpen so there's definitely some weapons for this team Ben Leeper that I mentioned earlier 21 innings pitched a 2.57 ERA Peyton Battenfield is another with 35 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 252 ERA, three and three on the season, 17 walks to 38 strikeouts. Opponents only hitting a 159 against him. Offensively, the Cowboys definitely bring some bats to the table. Carson McCusker leads them in batting average with a 345, has appeared in 29 games this season. He's third on the team in hits with 38. 
has 22 runs scored, leads them in extra base hits with 19 on the season, including four home runs. But Trevor Boone, who's hitting 284 in 36 games, leads them in home runs with 13. So really some strong hitting there. They also have Andrew Navigato, who has nine home runs. So lots of dingers being hit by this team. Alex Garcia with six. Carson McCusker, who I mentioned at the beginning, has a 618 slugging percentage. Trevor Boone, a 657. Navigato has a 538. Definitely seen a lot of guys put barrels to balls out there, but only four of their starting lineup are hitting over 300 currently. And so that can be a little bit concerning because once again, getting on the road and into a hostile environment, some things can get a little bit more difficult for teams like this. So I think that they have weaknesses that the Red Raiders can expose. I would assume that you would see Micah Dallas start again. I'm not sure where you'll see Caleb Killian. That'll be one thing that'll be interesting to see. Is he in the Sunday slot? Does he move back to Saturday? Saturday would put him back in a rhythm as he started last Saturday for the Red Raiders, even though it was the third game. And then it's just a question, who will that third starter be? Erickson Lanning has struggled. You have opportunities to see other guys in there, just not sure who that'll be for the Red Raiders. John McMillan's had two really good relief outings recently, but do you really want to put him back into another starting situation when you know he's doing a good job out of the pen for you? This is definitely a weekend you're going to want to be able to use him. So it'll be interesting to see who Coach Tadlock decides to put in place out there, but I think it's going to be a good weekend of baseball. I look for the Red Raiders to continue performing. They have a good mindset right now. I enjoyed hearing Dylan Noisy's comments about their mindset, saying that they wanted to get out there and get ahead early, that they'd had too many times this season that they were having to claw their way back and fight from behind. After that first game against Baylor, that Thursday loss, he said they really worked to change their mindset of scoring runs early, getting ahead early. You've seen back-to-back games now with Gabe Holt hitting a leadoff hit for Texas Tech and plating runs in the first inning as well. So it's been a positive few days of baseball here going all the way back. I would even argue to that Thursday game, the comeback the Red Raiders made was strong. It was good to see that from them. And now you have an opportunity to really make some noise. I do feel like the Red Raiders are in the regional host conversation squarely, that top 16 seed kind of conversation, but I do think they have some work to do to get back into the top eight seed conversation. Their RPI is around 15 right now. Last season, the RPI really hung around the top five most of the season for the Red Raiders, so there's a little bit of ground to make up there to get back into that top eight seed conversation. Just to remind you, the top eight seeds in the NCAA selection are guaranteed to host their regional and their super regional should they win their regional round. If you're not in those top seeds, then it's luck of the draw depending on who you'll be facing in the super regional, who beats whom, who has better facilities, who has a higher seeding, etc. So really 2016 is the only time the Red Raiders had a top eight seed, although they've hosted all three of the super regionals they've been in, in 14, 16, and 18. It was only 16 where it was guaranteed for them. So would love to be back into that situation. You like that top seed. It guarantees you some home games. The Red Raiders are strong at home this season. They're 18 and 4 at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park, but they're 7 and 7 on the road and 1 and 2 in neutral sites. So you can definitely see that there's some home field advantage for sure with that loud and rowdy crowd. 
So as I said, I think you're squarely in the hosting conversation, but there's work to do. Not that they can just lay down and lose all these games. They definitely need to be taking series. You would love to see some sweeps in the Big 12. You have this conference series against Oklahoma State. You have Oklahoma on the road. And then after a finals break, you'll close the season out at home against TCU. And you have three non-conference opponents coming to town for two-game midweek series in between there. So a lot of baseball left to be played, a lot of good times still to be had at Dan Law Field or Rip Griffin Park, but I think you're seeing a Red Raider team that's maybe hitting their stride a little bit. We've been waiting on it. It feels like it's taken longer than we've wanted it to, longer than we've seen before, but it's feeling pretty good right now. So I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate the opportunity to do this for you twice a week. I always look forward to it. I look forward to interacting with you on Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed the Dinger Derby podcast so far. I please do go out, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about it, get folks interested. As the attention of Red Raider Nation turns to baseball now with other seasons ending, I think that we'll continue to see more people interested. So please don't hesitate to tell them about Dinger Derby. So with all that being said, if I don't see you before then, we'll see you at the ballpark this weekend. And until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me